And we're back. Welcome to Deep Thinking, the only motorcycle road racing podcast that wishes it was as cool as Eric Anderson. He's Ed Sorbo. That was good. <laughs> that was not that bad, was good. right? Did you see that, Eric? <clears throat> it's not. <laughs> you see? He's Eric Anderson. Yeah, he's Eric Anderson. He's Michael Gouges. Yes, you can find me on the web at motorbikeroadracing.blogspot.com. He's Ed Sorbo, and you can find him working on your suspension at Lindemann Engineering or le-suspension.com. Show number 79. Is it 79? Yeah. Oh, look, we got a customer, I think, a tech. Uh, or a scooter, or just a... Yeah, this is tech. Yeah, yeah. You got you, uh, Eric, Eric and Andalite. Uh, um, we're, we're, sti- <laughs> we're still at Button Willow. The guy rolls up on his scooter. It's been a week and we're still here. Yeah, exactly. It's been it's been a good week. I, you <laughs> know, actually, every week I get to spend on a racetrack. Hell yeah. No, the guy just rolls up on his shooter, er, a scooter. Eric points at it and goes, "Yeah, that's not going to pass." Um, weren't you planning on safety wiring up a dog earlier? Or no, I was just <laughs> rubbing his ears. <laughs> um, we are, uh, what are we going to talk about? Oh, we got a couple of things to talk about. Um, one of them has to do with uh, chassis geometry, and uh, I have an interesting story about that. Let's start with that. Go. You want to go with that? Okay. So, a um, friend of mine who's racing here um, has a good guy, experienced, does this, does this thing right. Shows up, tries to be as professional as he can. Um, picked up a new bike this year, and knows he, he knows some things about suspension. Bike wasn't doing what he wanted it to do. Tried to adjust the suspension, nothing's helping. So he finally has some friends at the factory that makes the, uh, the uh, you should say the US importer, who makes the bike, and they took him to the track. And it was like, okay, what's it doing, and how do you have it set up? And um, they, and he says, well, I've done this. And they just shook their heads and went, oh, no, 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 no. And it was funny because what, what struck me was the whole idea of fixing the wrong problem. The geometry was incorrect. It was um, way too choppered out. And because geometry was too, too far out of its window, no matter what you're doing to the suspension, it's not going to help it. It's not going to help it. Yeah, so, you can think of it like... Um, What's a good example? If you have a flat tire, right? It <laughs> doesn't matter it. what you do with with the compression damping. Changing the spark so, plugs is right. not going exactly, right? to help. Right. Right. And you know, you know the, the problem is never as obvious as a flat tire. Right. Right. And so it's easy. It's possible to get out in the left field so far. We call that outside the envelope. Yes. Where things no longer do what they're supposed to do. Right. And that's. A common thing with that will be bent frames. When your bike starts to do stuff and not mm-hmm. respond the way it's supposed to, right. you got to look for the extraordinary problem, the cause, right. and it's, it's usually a bent frame. That's um, you know, it's really interesting. The uh, the other thing I've heard is people talking about um, people talk about doing that when they're trying to set up electron their electronics, like. Um, you, you've got too much traction control in, so the bike doesn't yeah. accelerate. Yeah. So then you change the gearing. Right. You shorten the gearing to get it to accelerate harder. Well, what does that do? It just kicks in the traction control The most harder. dangerous thing you can do with traction control, and I've seen that people are doing this, okay. is they just turn it up, and then they develop bad habits. Oh, yeah. Right? They, just, they, they know they're whacking the throttle, and they just turn up the traction control, and rather than fixing themselves. Right. That's crazy. It's, yeah. You know, uh, well, that topic didn't last very long. Well, hold on. I'm not done with it. Okay. Tom, uh, 
I, when I interviewed Tom Sykes earlier this year, you know, he said, uh, and he was very clear, he said, this, most, this dude's racing super sport, the 600s, but they're using more traction control than I am. You know, you watch the races. Yeah, but we were talking about geometry. We are. Well, like, like you said, it's out of the window. Yeah. Now you're doing suspension changes, and they're doing the opposite of what you think they're going to do. And I think the problem is compounded by the fact that all the, you know, most of the new bikes now come with adjustable geometry. They've got shocks that you can alter the length on, you know? I oh, mean, yeah, well, then people just won't leave things alone. Right. So Another it, real common problem is guys would be like, uh, you know, they made a change to the rear of the bike. Okay. Well, how much did you change it? Well, a quarter of an inch. Okay, you changed the shock a quarter of an inch, you stupid fucks. And then you multiply that change through the linkage and down the length of the swing arm, it can be as much as three times as much. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, you, you jack the back of the bike up, you know, three inches or, or down or whatever. And that's probably what happened with your friend. He went way farther than he thought he did. Yeah, that's a good possibility, you know. Um, it's a matter of uh, just be cautious with when you do these things, you know. And it's it's not like these, the mo a modern sport bike is not like the old ones where it's like, let's just drop the fork tubes two inches, you know, and that'll sharpen up the steering. You look at some people on vintage bikes, they've got, you know, six inches of fork tubes up the, up the top. Yeah, you, if you park an R6 mm -hmm. next to a 76 CB550F. Okay. Okay, so the R6 is pretty much the current state-of-the-art 600 yeah. yeah and the 76 cb550f was the bike back then okay okay mm -hmm. and you look at the steering head angle and the swing arm angle you will be blown away by the difference exactly and so then you could clearly go well yeah you could make a really big change to that old bike and it ain't going to get you anywhere near right mm -hmm. uh meanwhile you could make a small change to the r6 which already has too much swing arm angle out of the box. If you gave it more swing arm angle, you would be in cuckoo land. Yep. And by the way, that causes pumping sometimes. <laughs> so you'll come out of a corner and you'll get pumpy, and right. at a different time you come out of the corner, you won't get pumpy. Oh dear. Yep. That, that, and what's the difference in the corners? Is it speed, uh, the amount of gas you're putting on? Or? It's a combination of, of everything. Some combination of how that you put it together, it either worked itself out okay and it uh -huh. spun nice maybe and then didn't have a pumping issue or it hooked up a little bit too much and then it started pumping and once it starts pumping you're in trouble it's not going to go away right away the um that reminds me something else uh the the hawk um chain was too tight this morning yep chain tension how does that affect the suspension so when the sprocket the shock compresses right this, or you can say when the rear wheel moves up okay the distance between the sprockets increases right so if your chain is tight it can't move it resists that motion so it's like having additional resistance against the yeah okay well it's yeah except that it can get to the place where it physically will not go farther right and so now you've got excessive chain and sprocket wear and lack of motion in the swing arm, which will feel harsh because right. it's not moving. And then you'll start you know, opening adjusters or backing things off. And it won't make any difference because it's fucking happened because you don't know how to adjust your chain. So the book chain adjustment is about an inch. It's, well, whatever it is, got it. who do you think that's for? Average street rider. Right, because it's a street bike, right? Right. Now, what do you think the average street rider is going to think if their chain is hitting the swing arm all the time? When oh, my shift? God, my chain's too tight. So what do you think that means when the manufacturer is choosing chain tension? They're going Just to be a little bit towards it. this tight, tight side. side. 
okay? Yep. Well, on a racetrack, noisy pipe, earplugs, we don't care if the chain hits the slider underneath the swing arm, you can't hear it. Right. Right? We want the chain to be airing on the loose side so that the suspension moves all the way. If you're really smart, you take the spring off your shock, you put your shock on the bike. Okay. You compress the suspension all the way, you adjust the chain until it's the perfect tension, basically no slack, right? Okay. When it's all the way compressed, when the sprockets are as far as apart as possible, you tighten the axle down there, you put your spring back on, and then you can see what the proper chain tension should be when it's loose. That's what all the big teams do. If you've got a whole bunch of guys riding on one bike, you just take the spring off of one shock, you do that experiment on the new model bike, right? And then you know this is how much tension we should have. You know, normally... The I mo the look on Mike's face right now is a perfect look of, oh my God, that's the smartest thing I've ever I, heard of. Normally, I use the word genius for myself, but <laughs> holy crap, that's... Yeah. And this is... Who, who was I talking about earlier? That's the, that's the wonderful thing about that level of racing, right? Somebody's got that shit figured out. Well, it, it, it's really easy. If you got <clears throat> a fleet of bikes, then right. doing it... If you're just you and you have one motorcycle... And you don't have a spring compressor, and well, it's a hassle, right? You know, so you get a buddy and you crank down on it really good, and you get it close, right? You know, yep. and of course, there's also the advantage of the tribal knowledge of this kind of thing, right? Right. There's five thousand guys here this weekend on R sixes, right? And the average chain adjustment on all the good bikes is there. You're probably, you're probably okay. okay, exactly. The, but the teams will have a bike that's brand new, mm -hmm. and they get one of one of them or two of them long before everybody else ever right. gets them, and they need to know now what's going to be the number. So it's somebody's job to Plus, do that. Well, they're taking the whole damn part of bike anyway, great, right? But that's the yeah. wonderful thing about racing at that level. So if you've got a really weird bike, uh -huh. like let's say a Honda Hawks were classic for this, right? right. Guys would jack up the back like crazy, right. do all kinds of stuff, and so then the swing arm angle would be way outside of the norm. Okay. And you're putting on some aftermarket shock anyway. So you take the spring off, you put it on, you compress it all the way, you see what it's got to be. Right. If you adjust your eccentric so that you can put it on the bottom instead of on the top, right. then your chain adjustment's going to be in cuckoo land. Then you need to do something got to it. find out where it needs to be. The um, Somebody was in the garage earlier. Had uh, Garage number one at Button Willow with us. Garage number one at Button Willow with us. The Linden and, uh, Engineering Garage. We started talking about uh, MotoGP leathers that have the, the, the emblems and everything silk screened on them to, on. Save, yeah, to, to save, save weight. weight. Yep. That's a tear of joy right there, Ed. <laughs> that's, that's racing, goddammit. You that's know, there's awesome. an easy way you can do that yourself. Which is? You can just hire a painter, artist. Mm -hmm. an, a, a, an artist person, when you say, I would like you to paint my leathers, they know what kind of paint to use. Right. I had a dragon painted onto my leathers, and it had my eyes. <laughs> that was cool. And then she painted my name and all that stuff on, and I right. didn't, right? And it, was, it lasted? Well, yeah. It okay. the, the, the paint outlasted the leathers. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, and, you know, artists need work. Right, right? always. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, what was the other thing we were going to talk about? Anthony West. Um... Anthony Ant West. Ant West. Well, funny. Okay, so he's racing in. He's racing everywhere. He might be here this weekend. Um, how are we doing on time? I'm looking. You keep talking. Um, Ant is. Uh, he rode. He he wild carded in World Superbike last weekend. Has Marquez called him up yet? Because Marquez has an ant on his helmet. 
Who's, Thank you. who's no, got spider. that first? He's got, no, it's an ant. I thought it was a spider. No, it's an ant. It looks like a spider to me. It's an ant, like Adam ant. No, it's a spider. It's not a spider. Spider-Man. No, they don't call him Spider-Man. Exactly. Let, look, let's, let's take some calls from our listeners. Is anybody calling in? It's <laughs> not ringing. That's hysterical to me, and that's all that matters. Um, if anybody actually so knows... So what about Ant West? Ant, uh, when, he, when he raced a world superbike... That was his eighth international series. That well, oh, that was your thing. In. Should you race different bikes? Yeah, yeah. And and just you just got to give mad props to this guy. He put a world super sport bike on the box at Phillip Island earlier this year. He put a super bike fifth in the rain at Sepang a little while ago. He um, is racing his full time. I don't know if it's his full time gig or not. But he's racing in the Asian uh, Asian Road Racing Championship, Asian Road Racing Series. Really cool championship. All their races are on YouTube. Um, the uh, premier race is a, is a 600cc class. Noriyuka Hagen is racing in that class. Some really cool speed shops that build really cool bikes. And the support races, the 130cc underbone. Dude, it's like if they don't win, they're going to get shot. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but... Uh, the funny thing about uh, West in that series is, for some reason, they looked at his name, and I think they thought his first name was his last name. So if you so look, he's a West Ant. No, if you look down the, the like the results, you know, their standings, it's like you know Haga um, Takahishi, and then it just says Anthony. <laughs> oh, that's okay. pretty cool. So your question was, should you race different bikes? Yeah, especially if you're new. Fuck yes, okay. especially if you're new at this. Well, it doesn't matter. Race as many bikes as you can, always. Okay, and and as many different tracks as you can. Okay, oh, as, many, new as, as many different tracks as you can, totally. Okay, I'm totally down with that. Okay, let me rephrase it. Club racer who's thinking about doing that. How do you do it so they're not going to pull the Jamie hacking at Laguna Seca? You got to be smarter than Jamie, but that's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> so did, I used to did, race my. Did, did we ever get any hate mail from Kyle Wyman, by the way? Not yet. <laughs> okay. I used to race my 90 TZ250 back to back with my F2. <laughs> okay, that's great. And so the way this the way the schedule worked is there was it was small bike, big bike, novice. Okay. And then so that meant that after the first round, I rode the TZ, and then I immediately got on to the 600. Right. And then there was the break, and then I went back out on the TZ. TZ. And so it meant that at the start of every 600, the small bike class, all the 600s and below, uh-huh. I would go blitzing off the grid, right, and from the, from the front row, uh, usually a pole. And the first corner was the chicane. And I could remember that I was on the 600 for that long. And there was no breaking for the chicane from the start. Okay, right? Or very little. But every time, and this was for like a two-year span, I get to turn one, and I would use the TZ braking marker on the 600, and I would tuck the front on the way into turn one every time, and come out in the lead, because I went so crazy stupid <laughs> past. Why like, there's no way you can make the corner, right? and then everybody's looking at the smoke pouring off your. And I'm running tire. wide, whatever, but it worked every single time. And then, <laughs> and then by that time, I was back to. Right. Oh my God! I'm on the 600. And you know, and that is how I crashed my. TZ at Willow. I rode the 600 okay. Hurricane, right? And then I got on the TZ, and it was the same day, but I don't remember how long the gap was. Okay. And so the 600 is pinned through turn eight, just right. pinned from the time you come out of turn six. Got it. 
and the TZ, you need a little roll off and back on it. And so I flicked the TZ in there with it just pinned in six like I was on the 600, and I was on the ground before I knew Jeez. that I had even crashed. So how do you do it right? Um, you, you get a hold of all the bikes you can, and you race as many as you can. And generally, okay. you race one bike at a time for some period of time, and then you get a different bike and you race that. So it's like serial monogamy. Yeah. <laughs> so I've raced 78 different bikes. There's a list on my blog. Right. And 56 different tracks. I may be off by a number or two. Yeah, it's another um, reason I want to hit you with a wrench. <laughs> it's harder to do that now than it was because the bikes are more precise, and so you got to ride them more precise. To, to right? get the best out of them. You know, you rode an F2 Hurricane, or F2, yeah, Hurricane. Yeah, a Hurricane. CBR 600 F2. Um, no, they weren't called. They were hurricanes when they were F1s. Then they became F2s and F3s and F4s. Anyway, you rode oh, those right. bikes in that era, and there was flame frecks and all that shit going on. And you right. rode it to a limit, and there wasn't a lot of adjustment. And and now, and they had, you know, a big difference is the flat swing arm angles back then compared to now. Okay. Um, and now you can ride the bike much more precisely. So you have to be a lot more on top of it. There's more, not necessarily chances to crash. But you have to do more to take the most from the bike. That's, to get the, yeah. as fast as the bike can go, right? So it's a lot harder to run. And plus, back then, you know, we had side stands on the bikes. We didn't have fucking tire warmers. You just jump on the bike and go. Right. And now you can't do that. So it's harder to have more bikes. Who was it? Um, was it Bowman? No, no, Rich. Uh, but Rich the more Schlecker. realistic thing yeah, that ahead. people can have is to ride more tracks. Yes. So, Absolutely. for example, people are like, I don't like Streets of Willow because it's too tight or it's bumpy or what. I just want to ride Big Willow. Dude, you got to ride every track you can. If, if, if there was a track organization that, that was run by me, we would run four configurations at Streets of Willow in a single day. We would run long course forwards and backwards and short course forwards and backwards. And we would change, you know, uh, every two hours or whatever. Why did the short course go again? Did you, 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 you cut off the bowl? Turn the three and you come straight back down. The bowl was added, that all those S's in the bowl was added later. Got the it. original course, you came down the hill from turn three. So it was like, uh, what, half a mile yeah, it would, per yeah, lap? It was, it was, yeah, it was very, short very course short. of Hawaii Raceway Park was three quarters of a mile per lap. <laughs> um, a couple of references, just so you don't have to go Google this stuff for you. Um, Jamie Hacking, uh, race. Uh, thousands and six hundreds for Yamaha factory team. Laguna Seca one year. I'm sitting up at turn two. I'm watching him up uh, the, the bank above turn two. I watch him barrel in and from like, you know, 500 feet away, you're like going, he's not going to make it. And he just wound up all the way off to the edge of the track. And afterwards he said, I forgot what bike I was on. Yeah. You know, um, the, uh, the other guy, Rich Schlachter as a uh, Formula One champion here in the United States back in the day is kind of yep. cool. But he talked about club racing, and he had a reputation as being a really good club racer, right? And so he said people would walk up to me, I'm at the track, I'm on my Yamaha or whatever it was, and it's like, hey, I've got this uh, Ducati, I've got this, uh, you want to ride it? And he's like, yeah. And then he said, I've got this Moto Guzzi, you want to ride it? And I'm like, no. Steve, <laughs> Steve Rapp and uh, Jake Zemke are doing a lot of that these days. Really? Yeah, if you're fast enough and have enough reputation, people want to see you ride. It, Andre Espelot sponsored me my 750 Turbo because right. he liked watching me ride his bike right. crazy right. faster than yeah. everybody else. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a, it, as long as everybody understands why, I, I know why I'm doing this. 
He knows why he's doing that. It's all good, right? So riding multiple bikes is good, but you have to learn to get the most out of each one, and yeah, that takes a little time. The practical way to do it is to have the bike for some period of time and then get another bike. Right. And, and the main thing, though, is to ride different tracks. Got it. Two-minute board. Oh, okay. It's time, it's time already. <laughs> yes, because Ed and I are practicing Buddhists, and we're talking about karma. That's right. Ed, tell so us today, about karma. So I'm going to adopt the lotus position over here. So today I'm, I'm on my scooter, going slowly in the pits, and a guy on an R3 goes rolling by me, making a turn. He's got lean angle in the pits, <laughs> and he shifts to second gear right in front of me as he heads to go out in the pits. Should we have the discussion about going around blind corners at this point? <laughs> you know, a lot of people play these online first-person shooter games. Right. And they know to never go around the corner close. Right. You go out here wide. Right, because you have to hit the reset button. <laughs> if you're coming up to a corner in the pits, you need to be wide and slow, but mm -hmm. at least wide so you can see around the corner. Because right. if the two of you are on the inside, you're gonna, there's no it's time to not gonna work. Anyway, so this guy goes going by me, and he goes right onto the hot pit, and he heads out, and it's too late for me to do anything about it. So I head back to garage number one. And, I'm, and a little while later, I'm getting ready to go out because now it's going to be my turn. And I'm about to put my helmet on, and here he comes zooming by, right there. Right. 30 miles an hour. And? Sitting up. And? Both hands off the bars. Total. Total. Like if you're going to go all the way, you might as well right, go all the way, Right, you may as well. I... So I'm like, motherfucker. So I, I grab the scooter. I'm going to miss my first lap or two of the practice session. I watch where he goes, and then I putt-putt down there. And I arrive just as he's putting the bike, finished putting the bike on the rear stand, and now he's starting to push the bike back to get the stand in the right place, and the bike crashes over onto its side off of his stand. Uh, and was, I'm thinking like karma fucking rules the it universe. Was, it, was, it was just like watching the universe do an immediate course correction. It was perfect. You so know, balancing I, the books right then. I parked my scooter on the side stand. I'm like, I'm waiting for this. And waited while he got his earplugs out and his helmet off. And he was cussing and bitching and moving shit around the garage, the, the space and whatever. Then I introduced myself and told him my position with Fast Track and with Weera. And explained what he did wrong. And told him that now you've been warned. And the punishment, if you do it again, is you have to push the bike through the pitch the rest of the day. Right. And this applies to tomorrow, the Weera day. I'm not, I'm, we're not even going anywhere near that. You, you get one warning, that's it. And uh, so, yeah, that worked out pretty good. I think he learned his lesson because I saw him twice since then today going five miles an hour like he's supposed to. Hey, so, one, one more shout out for somebody who's here. Ron Cole has a new puppy. Yes, she. she. Yes, she. I can't remember her name. I, I do, and that's the coolest thing. Everybody's terrified of pit bulls. They're yeah. all there. You got to raise them right, and he's doing the right thing. It's an, an adorable girl doll dog. She's got a pink collar on yep. and her name is Barbie. Barbie, that's right. That's yes. so cool. Yep. Hey, he's Ed Sorbo. He's Michael Gugis. Aloha. Aloha.